Well, we are in Genesis chapter 22, Genesis chapter 2, and the title of my message this morning is A Faith Tested. Um, You know, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. You know, God wants you and I to live a life of faith and not sight. But oftentimes, sight, uh, emotions, pragmatism, logic, secular worldview often washes out the life of faith and leaves God out of the equation of our lives. We are to live a life of faith, church. And Father Abraham, whom we've been looking at for several weeks now, is our father of faith. And so if you have your Bibles, I want us to look beginning with verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham. Let's stop right there. The first thought I have for us this morning when it comes to a faith tested is the, the value of having a faith tested. Church, there is great value in our faith being tested. And we don't like the test that God takes us through, but there's value in every single test. And I want to look at that first this morning. Now, Moses writes in verse 1 here, after these things, there's a lot of things that have taken place up to chapter 22. Abraham has seen a great deal, and probably the epitome of Abraham's faith at this point was the birth of his son Isaac. This was the second child that was born to Abraham. Abraham tried to help God out the first time, through Sarah's maidservant, Hagar, and uh, they had a son, Ishmael. But that was not to be the son of promise. And God told Abraham, no, Abraham, it's not Ishmael. The son that you are to have is yet to be, and it's going to come through your wife, Sarah. And God waited until it was physically impossible for Abraham and Sarah to have a child. Abraham was a hundred years old. Sarah was 90 years old. But God waited to that point so that he could tell, show Abraham and Sarah and the world and us today that God is the God of the impossible. There is nothing too hard for God. And so here we are in chapter 22, after these things, after all has transpired in Abraham's life, God tested Abraham. You mean another test? Yes, another test. And friends, there is great value in every test that God sends your our way. And this test doesn't compare to the other tests that uh, Abraham has, has faced. God is going to bring Abraham to the summit of faith and his life 
long walk with God. God wants to test our faith. God wants to test your faith and show us that how much God is faithful, no matter what might come our way. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you didn't anticipate, and I know there's some people in this this room this morning that in the last few months, you never anticipated the God, the test that God is taking you through this morning. But God wants to show you, and he wants to show me, and he wants to show all of us that he is absolutely faithful and can be trusted in anything that comes our way. Whether it's an unexpected phone call or an unexpected diagnosis, friends, God is in it. And he wants to show himself to you and I, no matter what trial we go through. And there's a sister that's not with us this morning. She hasn't been able to be with us for the last two months. And that's Linda Turner, who's watching by Facebook this morning, has been faithful to walk to watch by faithful uh, Facebook ever since she got the diagnosis that she has a brain tumor. But she has learned the value of the test that God has brought into her life. And my, how faithful God is. She did not realize how strong her faith was until she received this diagnosis. And I hear from Linda every week. And God is faithful with every treatment that she's gone through up to this point. And she is full of peace and confidence that God is in control. We don't learn that any other way. It's only through the tests that God brings into our life. And here Abraham has been through so much. And in verse 1, the Bible says, God tested Abraham again. And this is going to be the epitome of all tests. Now, he's not testing you so that he can know what's in your heart. He already knows what's in your heart. He knows how you're going to respond. It's not a surprise to him. The test is for your benefit, for you to know what is in your heart. The quality of your faith, the truthfulness of your faith, the power of your faith, that you can make it through any and every difficulty. First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7 says this, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
I've been your pastor for 23 years. And I've watched a lot of you go through tests. And I ask God, God, why them? Why now? And scripture says that they might bring praise and glory to my name. And they do. And we see the genuineness of their faith. So there is great value in faith tested and proven. And it can get us through every dark difficulty that God brings our way. So see the value in the test. Now, let's read verses 1 through 5. God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. I want you to see in this passage of Scripture here, in these few verses, is that faith shows itself often in simple obedience. God told Abraham, Abraham, go and sacrifice, make a sacrifice, sacrifice your child, the one that you love, Isaac. And the Bible says in verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took his two young men with him and his son Isaac. Abraham got up early in the morning and started pulling things together and got ready for his journey. The Bible doesn't talk about Abraham's feelings. The Bible doesn't talk about Abraham wringing his, his hands, wondering, you know, how is this going to work out or, or contemplating days, you know, did I get this wrong? Did I hear God right? Well, the Bible says that Abraham got up and he started getting things together. And what God told Abraham to do sounded very familiar. Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham in the land of Ur, Abraham, leave your country Leave your family, leave what all you're familiar with and go to a land 
that I will show you. This voice is very familiar. And Abraham knew it was God's voice. And Abraham knew what Abraham's responsibility was to be. And he got up and he was obedient to the voice. And he took another step of faith. I mean, it was a huge step of faith back in chapter 12. I didn't know where he was supposed to go, but God told him to leave. And he did. And God is telling him again. And Abraham understands what faith is all about. Abraham has seen the impossible. And Abraham is once again taking that step of faith. And all of us in this room who live in Ridgecrest know what a step of faith is, don't we? (laughs) When God told you to go to Ridgecrest, for a lot of us, it was a step of faith, wasn't it? And for most couples, if not all couples, there was at least one couple who had tears in their eyes. And probably of the female persuasion. Coming to a land, coming to a community that they had no idea what it was all about and what they were going to encounter. But it was a step of faith. I remember that step of faith that our family took when we came to Ridgecrest. There in Highland, California, we, they, we got our kids on our bed and we told our kids, kids, we're moving to Ridgecrest. Oh, it was an emotional meltdown. Our family had known only one church, uh, our kids' whole life. We had been serving this church for 16 years. Our kids were going to have to leave their friends. And, uh, but this was something God was telling mom and dad that they were to do. And it was hard coming to Ridgecrest. And, My son Kyle, he was holding out to the very last moment with the church vote. He was just sure the church was going to vote no and that dad wasn't going to be serving as one of the pastors of Emmanuel Baptist Church. And he was crushed when the church approved us coming on staff. But our story is not unfamiliar. And you know what? As God has brought you to Ridgecrest, and you didn't know what to expect, but you were just trusting God. Hasn't God provided? There's a huge amen that goes right there. God has been faithful. God is in the desert, and God is working in all the details. He's behind all the transitions that have transpired in your life. And here we see in Abraham's life that this test, he's taking Abraham to a whole different level. Abraham, can you trust me with the death of your son? This is what God is asking of Abraham. 
And there is no shadow of doubt in Abraham's life at this point. Abraham is a friend of God. Abraham has God watched God do the supernatural. And God is going to make a way in this as well. Now, on the surface, this sounds so contrary to God. He's not a God of human sacrifice. Now, there's a lot of other pagan religions around Abraham that sacrifice human life, but not the the God of creation. And yet the God of creation is telling Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Now, understand, God never intended for Abraham to sacrifice his son. This is a test. Abraham passed the test. And we, when we get to verse uh, 11, God, God calls out Abraham's name and he stops Abraham from sacrificing his son. God intended that all along. He just wanted to test and see how far Abraham feared God. God knew this, but God was revealing this, showing us in, through Abraham's life. But Abraham unquestionably obeys. Did Abraham know how the story was going to end? Nope. Does he have confidence that Isaac is going to come back with Abraham? once they come down from the Mount of Moriah? Absolutely. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I, I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. Abraham had no idea how God was going to work it out. But Abraham was convinced that Isaac was going to come back with Abraham. Why? Because God keeps his promise. Isaac is the son of promise. Abraham is going to be the father of great nations. And the father of great nations must go through the line of Isaac. God is going to preserve Isaac. And Abraham knows that. He believes that. And in fact, the Bible says that God kind of gives Abraham a glimpse of a resurrection. Up to this point in Genesis chapter 22, we haven't heard of resurrection. Resurrection doesn't become a, a reality until um, later on with a, a, a prophet, but certainly in the Gospels in Jesus Christ. But resurrection is unheard of. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Hebrews chapter 11, 17 through 19, the Bible says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. 
And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. Abraham considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. This is what Abraham was thinking in his mind. Even if he sacrifices his son, God's going to give him back his son, Isaac. Abraham knew he could trust God with the death of his son. My friends, God, you can trust God with whatever test God is asking you to go through as well. God is our refuge. God is our mighty fortress. A very strong help when we go through times of difficulty. Turn to Psalm 46. Psalm 46 this morning. That great hymn of old, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, is is written based on Psalm 46. Let me read it. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, Though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. From this text, God creates all the calamity that we see around us. But even in all the calamity, God's people are hiding in God's refuge, in his mighty fortress. And we are safe and secure, and he is providing. So here's Abraham. Simply obeying, going about what God has asked him to do. So, We see great value in faith tested. We see faith often found in simple obedience. Just being faithful 
in the little stuff that God has called us to do. And then number three, I want you to see how faith believes and finds God's provision. Let's look at verses 6 through 14 of chapter 22. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. And so they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from, he, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorn, by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. As they were going up that that mount, Mount Moriah, Abraham believed, he kept believing that God was going to provide a sacrifice. Now, as we look at this text, as we look at um, Isaac in particular and how he responded, how he he just uh, followed his father in obedience, I don't want us to be Get, be crazy about Isaac being a picture of Jesus. Now, we see a shadow here. Obviously, Isaac is following. He is obeying. Uh, how old is Isaac in this passage of Scripture? I think he has to be past his teenage years because um, the Bible says Abraham gave Isaac the wood. The for the sacrifice, for the, uh, for the altar. I don't know of any teenagers that could carry that amount of wood. You know, they're just not that strong, and they would complain the whole way. And so Abraham, Isaac is probably a, a young adult at this point, but Isaac is not Jesus. Isaac does not die. Jesus died and came back to life. And so don't get so much caught up in the story of Isaac. But here we see in this passage of Scripture that, you know, Isaac is amazingly obedient. Abraham lays the wood on Isaac's back in verse 6, verse 7. Isaac's perplexed, you know, where's the sacrifice? And um, 
it never entered Isaac's mind that he was going to be the sacrifice, you know, that, that his dad would provide the sacrifice. Verse 8, Abraham says, God will provide the sacrifice, Isaac. Abraham's living in full assurance. And then Abraham, in verse 9, builds an altar and lays the wood down and bounds Isaac to the wood. I mean, this is amazing about Isaac. He trusts his father. Abraham's 120 plus years old now. Isaac can take his dad on. But at Isaac is being absolutely obedient. And he's trusting his father and he allows his father to tie him to the wood lays himself upon the sacrifice. Watches his dad raise the knife. And he still isn't wiggling off the altar. He's trusting his father completely. Who trusts God. And this is amazing. And it's at this point that the angel intervenes and says, Abraham, Abraham, stop. Don't sacrifice your son. And God has provided. God knows that Abraham fears him. But the most important part of this story is that God provided God provided in the test that he was taking Abraham through and God provides in the test that he takes you through and faith is believing that God will provide Abraham believed that with all his art in verse 8. Even when putting his son on the altar. Abraham believes in God's provision. Abraham finds God's provision in verse 13. And then faith worships in what God has done in verse 14. Look at verse 14. So Abraham, well, let's read verse 13 again. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. It is said to this day on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. I'm sure Abraham and Isaac were so relieved when they heard Abraham's mention, name mentioned, Abraham, Abraham, and saw the ram in the thicket. 
And when Abraham took that ram and he cut open that ram and he laid that ram on the, on the altar and sacrificed that lamb as a substitutionary uh, sacrifice for his son Isaac, Abraham and Isaac were, I'm sure, so very grateful for what God had provided. And did they have a worship experience? Mom, Dad, as you go through tests, let me just encourage you to know that God is in your test. There is great value in what he is taking you through and he's going to show you more of who he is and your life. And you know what? Your children are going to pick up on that. And they're going to know just how big your God is. And this is one of the ways that you disciple them is in your faithfulness in what God is taking you through. What more things did Isaac learn about his dad and his God as Isaac was obedient to what his father was taking him through? And they both saw God's provision and they worshiped the Lord on that mount. That's a very significant mount. Mount Moriah. A thousand years later, David would buy Mount Moriah, this this, uh, threshing floor area of Jerusalem, and build an altar that then his son Solomon would build the temple where sacrifices, substitutionary uh, temporal sacrifices would be made for the next thousand years. And then after a thousand years of that temple, then Jesus comes along. And in a very uh, similar place, close by, Mount Calvary, that's where the eternal substitutionary atonement will be made for those who believe in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. This is where that act of worship has taken place. God provided. And Abraham called Mount Moriah Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. God will provide for you. And God has provided for you through his son, Jesus. And that's where it begins. We must believe that Jesus has become our sacrificial uh, substitutionary atonement. We deserve to die. We deserve to uh, experience the wrath of God because of our sin. But But Jesus loved us so much that he came and he... He lived that perfect life and became that perfect sacrifice and died in our place, just like that ram died in Isaac's place. Jesus, the creator God, died in my place 
so that I might be able to have a relationship with him and be with him for all eternity. This is what the Bible is all about, and it's teaching us this in Genesis chapter 22. And the Bible asks us to believe what the Scripture says about these things. God provides. Faith believes that provision. Faith sees that provision. And then the last part of chapter 22, I want us to see that God will provide even beyond our lifetime. Verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now after these things, it was told to Abraham, Behold, Milcah has borne children to your brother Nahor. Uz, his firstborn, Buzz, his brother. Those are, what are great names, Uz and Buzz. You know, if you're looking for names of your children, okay, consider Uz and Buzz, okay? Camul, the father of Aram, Chesed, Hazo, Pildash, Jildolph, and Bethuel. Verse 23, Bethuel fathered Rebekah. These eight Milcah born to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Moreover, his concubine, whose name was Ramuah, bore Teba, Gehem, Tehash, and Mahak. I'm sure I butchered all those names. What, what's going on in this passage of Scripture? Let's deal with the first part, verses 15 through 18. God reiterates his promise to Abraham one more time. I mean, we've heard these promises as we've been going through Abraham's life over and over again. And you know what? God's promises have not moved one inch. They are secure. Okay, so that's what's going on in verses 15 through 18. But then he mentions the offspring of Abraham's brother. Why here? Well, this is a study in contrast at this point. We know Abraham's story. Abraham's story has hinged on two sons. And it's been a thin thread, okay? Ishmael who's no longer in the picture. He's been removed from the household. So now Abraham's down to one son, and God told Abraham to sacrifice his his son of promise. And so 
you know, Abraham's side is pretty thin compared to his brother's side. His brother's side, uh, they're not a covenant people. They live in the land of Ur. And, you know, it's like they are really prolific. His brother's got a really large family. And here Abraham, he's trusting God. He's walking by faith. And he's got only one boy. And God wanted him to kill that one boy. What, what's going on here? God is wanting to show us as we walk this journey of faith. There may be times when our life, compared to the world, it looks pretty slim. You know, is God at work here? Can, is God, can God be? And God is telling us through this passage of Scripture, He is at work in every single detail. He's, got, he's working in the future right now. You know, verse 23, we see Bethuel fathered Rebekah. Who's Rebecca? Rebecca is going to be the future wife of Isaac. And so even in this, this group of people who don't know God, who, who still worship a pagan God, God has chosen a girl, Rebecca, who is going to be Isaac's wife. God is working out the details of the future. And folks, we, we can walk in faith knowing that God is providing even beyond our lifetime. Let me give you a little uh, a spoiler alert here. Sarah's going to die. Isaac's mom, she's going to die in chapter 23. All right. Abraham doesn't have many years left, many chapters left. But as that generation passes away, guess what? God is picking up with the next generation, the generation beyond that. And as God is taking you through your tests, through your difficulty, through your trials, God is working beyond your generation to the generations that are coming along beyond you. You can't trust him. He's got it all planned out. So my question to you this morning, is your faith being tested? Are you believing that God will provide He's going to provide and he wants you to live by faith and not by sight. When we have a secular worldview and God is not in the equation of our life, it's impossible to live by faith. But when we have a biblical worldview and we know who God is through things of this nature that are going to occur in our life as well. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that God will provide. So be that godly dad. Be that godly mom. Be that godly son. Be that godly daughter. God knows your future. And he's got it all planned out. And he wants you to walk by faith into simple obedience. So I tell that to you this morning. And as I tell that to you, I'm preaching it to myself as well. Today I leave for the Southern Baptist Convention that's taking place in Anaheim. I'm going in obedience. I'm going in faith, believing what God is calling us to do as a church. I don't know how the details are going to work out. But I know God's in it. And God's going to provide. And we need to be people of faith and people of prayer. Because you're going to hear a lot, a lot this week. It's a perfect storm. But God goes before us. And may we as a church be people of the book. Be more concerned of what God thinks than what the world thinks. And he will be glorified. God loves you. God's with you. God's holding you. Trust him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the life of Abraham. And God, I'm not where Abraham is. I couldn't do what Abraham was willing to do. I'm not there yet. I'm not sure I'll ever get there. But I'm thankful that Abraham was there. And through Abraham's obedience, we saw the provision of God. And God, you want to provide in our tests as well. Help us to be people of faith, to walk by faith and not by sight. It's so easy to walk by sight, but when we walk by sight, we lose perspective of, God, what you're doing in our life. Help us to be people of the book who live to glorify your name regardless of the fires that you send us through. Thank you for being there for us. In Jesus' name.